0: This is On The Grid, powered by talk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Share Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. A big final show for 2020 this week. We speak to Tim Blanchard, who has started up his own operation for the Cool Drive Racing Team. We find out how that's going for him shortly. Also, Crails and I will wrap up what has been a massive 2020 in motorsport for good and bad reasons. But first, the news, and the big news comes out of Erebus Motorsport, Dave Reynolds and the team splitting ways a couple of years into their 10-year contract. The team confirming that Reynolds will move on with speculation that he will end up in Rick Kelly's old seat at Cali Racing after his Erebus engineer Alistair McVean left the team and has been signed by the Kellys. This means a double departure for Erebus with Anton Di Pasquale also leaving the team and heading to Dick Johnson Racing. It's also believed that Penrod Oil, the major sponsor of Erebus, will join Reynolds at Cali Racing as well. In other driver news, Fabian Coulthard has been signed on by Team Sydney and will remain a full-time driver in 2021 after departing Dick Johnson Racing. The 38-year-old replaces Alex Davison in the seat of the local legend's car. Also, Brad Jones Racing has announced that Jack Smith remains with the team for season 2021. Supercars has confirmed it will introduce a high degradation super soft tyre in 2021, but only at selected events. The super soft tyre will be used at Winton Motor Raceway and Hidden Valley Raceway, circuits both considered to have low degradation surfaces. And 32 races we will cover 12 rounds for the 2021 Repco Supercar season. The formats will see 2 by 258 km races to start and end the season, with the Bathurst 1000 remaining the only enduro for the year. The races will be in the sprint format from 100 to 125km long. The F1 season is over. Here's Dale Rogers to wrap it up for us. Dale. Thanks, Tony.
1: 17 races in five months is how the Formula One season for 2020 will be remembered, starting back in Austria on July 5, ending in Abu Dhabi on December 13th. visited 13 countries, which is really an extraordinary effort in just five months, putting the season together. Final race uh, in Abu Dhabi, and Max Verstappen completely dominated the race uh, with a pole a race win, and up until the last lap, he had the fastest lap as well, which Danny Ricardo snuffled from him on that very, very last lap. But it's interesting that development on the Red Bull RB16 had not ceased. Uh, the car sprouted a new rear wing uh, in Abu Dhabi with a central pillar rather than the dual pillar. So it showed that development was still going on and probably a lot of testing of components for 2021 where the rules are fairly stable. Alex Albon uh, probably did his final job application for 2021, with, drove to a very, very solid fourth place as well, bookending the two Mercedes Benz. And the Mercs just did not have the pace. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, clearly still suffering from uh, his, his COVID bout, uh, was really exhausted by the end of the race. Uh, and Bottas, try as he might, could do nothing to close down Max. Tyres became the issue once again in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Pirelli had brought the C5, C4, and C3, the the softest combination of tyres they have, to the track. But they, certainly the softer tyre was a, a real struggle Bottas commented after qualifying that, I think the main issue is that we just could not get the soft tyre to work properly, said Bottas. And Abu Dhabi once again showed that it is a visually spectacular racing track which delivers very, very boring motor racing. Uh, It's a tragedy, really. A a brilliant track, a brilliant circuit. Two DRS zones, big opportunity for passing, but it really is a tyre conservation-style circuit. Interesting notes, Tony, at the end of the season... um, New look uh, helmet designs and matey matey farewells seem to be the order of the day. Um, The McLaren duo had new designs and also launched a a very, very funny video about their season. Uh, Charles Leclerc also had a a tribute helmet to Sebastian Vettel. Uh, George Russell probably had the best of all with with a a stunning uh, Williams tribute helmet as we learned today that Frank Williams apparently is in hospital and quite, quite ill. And Danny Rick wrapped up uh, fifth in the championship and he had a big smiley face mask. It was his sort of contribution and uh, a very emotional uh, farewell to Renault as well. And how about the love between all these drivers, Tony? Uh, Can you ever imagine James Hunt or Michael Schumacher or even our own AJ uh, with their arms round the drivers, their their co-drivers and their teammates as they farewell them into the distance of another team? It just would never have happened. So um, this uh, politically correct era that we're in has rubbed off on Formula 1. So that's it, Tony. That's it for the year. Uh, We must congratulate Lewis Hamilton, a a, a stunning performance in the Mercedes. He is a worthy world champion, seven times. Uh, Obviously, probably not the way he wanted to go out on the podium, but but certainly um, under the weather. It's a relatively short break now. Daniel Ricciardo announcing during the week that he will not even be returning to Australia for the first time in his Formula 1 career over Christmas to spend time in Perth. He will be uh, back in the UK and uh, they'll be testing relatively soon in, in early February in Barcelona. So a very, very short turnaround after what has been an extraordinary season of Formula One. We visited some amazing racetracks uh, in 2020, and I think that will be the legacy of not only getting the series up and running, but also some of the venues that we saw for the first time, and hopefully we will see again in, uh, in 2021. So, uh, Tony, that's it. Formula One done and dusted for the year. We'll be back on the race on, on the grid soon to
0: talk more Formula One. In the off-season. Thanks for that, Dale. That's the end of our news. Let's get into the show. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, time to catch up with Richard Crail, who had a long drive back from uh, Melbourne to Adelaide after a weekend of racing down here. How are you, Crailsey?
2: Oh, Shebex, it's just nice to say I was at a racetrack, mate. It was such a cool thing to head over to Sandown for the, the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Festival with Porsche and the Porsche pace and Michelin cup. We'll talk about it later in the show, but really terrific weekend bodes well for Carrera cup and sprint challenge next year, but really nice to get to Melbourne mate and uh, catch up with um, some of the Victorians. Your social schedule was a bit busy for me to catch up with you. You're you're a busy man this time of year, but uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. Really, really good weekend and great to be back at the racetrack and back at Sandown.
0: Yeah, no, great to uh, have you back in our lovely state and, uh, Cosby, time to have a chat to a guy who we're speaking a lot to uh, over the time. I, I remember going back to my old SEN days when I was speaking to him when he was racing over in the UK and he's come back here and Cool Drive Racing's been his baby for the last few years. And now it's even uh, it's gone from baby to mature adult status, hasn't it? <laughs> yes. uh, that move from being a, uh, a satellite team to being their fully-fledged own team. And Tim Blanchard joins us to talk joins us to talk about that and more. Good day, Tim, how are you?
3: Good, thanks. How are you guys going?
0: Excellent, thank you mate. First of all, congratulations uh, on taking the big step.
3: Yeah, thank you. It's uh, yeah, def- definitely a big step, that's one way to put it. Um, yeah, it's uh, an exciting time for, for myself, for um, everyone at Cool Drive, my family. Um, really looking forward to the year ahead and um, the challenges that come with running your own race team.
2: Tim, this has been a, a while in the making, hasn't it? Has this this has been something that's been in the back of your mind, I suppose, since you really engaged with with supercars as a as a license holder.
3: Yeah, definitely. It's probably something I've always, even as a kid, wanted to do is run my own race team. As obviously had a lot of aspirations from my own driving career, and that was always the initial focus. But long term, even as a kid, I always wanted to to run my own team. Um, it's a bit of a side thing. Um, yeah, obviously the opportunity came up a few years ago to buy buy the wreck and and we did that. And that We didn't buy that wreck to um, for my own driving career. It kind of tied in nicely. It was good, good to, uh, for my own driving career, but that wasn't the purpose for buying it. Buying the wreck was to give uh, the family and the business and myself something to do post my driving career. And we did that for a little while till I stopped driving full-time two years ago. And then uh, part of that deal with Brad Jones was you know, to give Macca the opportunity to move into the, the main series and um, we've done that the last two years and I think Macca did a fantastic job and, we we're you know, that deal went very well for us, but now it's kind of the time for us to, I guess, stand on our own two feet and, uh, and execute the long-term plan for, for purchasing the wreck.
0: So the role that you'll move into, Tim, you'll be the, the overseer and the, the team principal effectively?
3: Yeah, I'll, both my dad and myself will be co-team principals, but um, you know, both of us still have uh, a level of responsibility and, um, in the core cool drive business. So I can't be 100% on race teams as much as I'd like to. Uh, you still need to focus on the, the core cool drive business. So um, yes, I'll be heavily involved in it and obviously be at all the events and having our race team in our head office in part of our main main warehouse facility makes that a lot easier to have oversight of it. But we've also employed Brendan Hogan as the team manager. And so we'll try not to micromanage him and give him the ability to run run the team day-to-day as much as possible.
2: Uh, Tim Slade signed up, locked away. Very, very good get. A guy with 300-plus supercar starts, a couple of wins to his credit, always very consistent from a championship point of view in his Brad Jones days. Um, was it an easy decision to grab Tim or, or did you go through the driver market, which is pretty fluid at the moment, to be honest. So there's plenty of options out there. What was the process to to get Slade Dog on board and and, and lock him away?
3: Uh, yeah, it was a fairly big process. I guess there was plenty of options around, especially a few months ago when we were working on it. Mm. Um, but we kind of narrowed it down to three guys that we were really keen on. Um, and I guess there was we kind of went through the process on each of those, those guys. Um, and uh, I guess basically we came up with a bit of a structure of how we rated each driver, what as a new team we were going to be looking for and how each of those drivers ranked against that. Um, and one of the, I guess, when building a new team, building the foundations and the culture of the team were really important to us and having a driver that had experience and was going to be able to help develop and bring new ideas or bring experience to the team was really critical. So, um, once we did all the analysis, uh, Slady kind of came out ahead and, and that's, that's why we went down that road, just having that level head and that, that positive attitude and, um, experience was, was critical for us. Um, you know, he's been one of my best mates for a long period of time and, Mm. uh, I think that if anything worked against him, cause I was kind of critical, uh, probably a bit nervous about employing a friend as a driver, but well, you know, there was a few other people involved in that, that process uh, of decision-making. And um, when we did all the, the analysis Slade came out ahead. And so I'm really excited to have him on board and we're really focused. On, I think Slade's always been very competitive and, you know, in the top few in the championship when he's in an environment that's really supportive and really, um, uh, really behind him and backs him and we're really focusing on building a team around Sladey and, and an environment where he feels he can really excel moving forward. And I suppose
2: no higher praise that I mean he would for Roger Penske and Dick Johnson at Bathurst this year so that it's a pretty good endorsement isn't it when you've got that on your CV aside from everything else that, that Timmy's been able to do and what's been a really solid career.
3: Yeah he's done a, an exceptional job over a long period of time and um you know i was his teammate at brad jones racing so i went i've witnessed behind the scenes the up and downs of of how that went for him and and how he goes about his racing so that that kind of gave me a lot more insight as to if he was the right person and what we needed to do to provide an environment to make sure he's successful so i'm, I'm hopeful we've done that um but yeah like you said uh you Know Roger Penske doesn't hire, hire duds, he's <laughs> he does a lot of homework in who he employs to drive his race cars, especially to share a car with Scott McLaughlin. Mm. So the, he was there for a reason. And, um, you know, we you know, I, I did reach out to Ryan Story and he he kind of couldn't speak highly enough of Slady and, and recommended it, that it would be a good option for us to go with, uh, as we as did a quite a few other people. So, um, yeah, I, I think think we've got got the right man for the job. And uh, now we just got to make sure we give him the tools and the, the team around him to get, get the results.
0: But is there an Excel spreadsheet that has like a checkbox of things that you need to do to set up a team or <laughs> do you just sort of make it up as you go along? I, I would assume that there's so many things that you have to do to get it ready and going.
3: Yeah, uh, def- definitely. Uh, we started doing a spreadsheet, but... We were wasting half the day. We've still got a bit of one going, but to be honest, we spent half the day adding things to the check to the spreadsheet instead of getting stuff done. So we've kind of relaxed on that a little bit (laughs) the first few weeks it was. But we are 100% starting from scratch. You know, four or five weeks ago, we had a warehouse full of racking and parts. Uh, We've now had to pull all that down, move all the racking elsewhere, move all the product to another part of the warehouse or another warehouse, in fact. We've had to paint the floors. We've had to build a warehouse. So, you know, we've been doing everything from, from scratch. Like, we've had to build offices. Like, we've got people painting today, hanging doors, electricians there, putting PowerPoints in. Like, it is 100% from scratch. And to the point where Brendan started with us about three weeks after Bathurst, he turned up the first on his first day, which happened to be the first day that the car arrived from Tickford and uh, we needed to get some parts out to get back to Tickford for servicing and um, we had no tools so Brendan actually <laughs> had to drive home and take some g- tools out of his back out of his garage put him in his backpack and uh, drive back to work to take wow. the parts out on his first day. Right. That's uh, that's where we're starting from we've, we've, I'm pleased to say we've now got a toolbox <laughs> and- <laughs> um, we've, we've come an awful long way in you know just uh, four or five weeks, but we've, we've mapped out a bit of a plan as to what we need to achieve by the end of each week to get to the first test. And at this stage, it's still a long way to go, but we're, we're on schedule, if not slightly ahead. So we're really pleased with that process.
0: In regards to uh, body parts and the like, will you be doing your own fabricating and all that sort of stuff?
3: Uh, no, we'll have a little fab shop and us we'll have our own sub-assembly and sign writing department uh, rooms and setups for it. Um, but we're, we're getting a lot of support from Tickford and obviously we have a heavily uh, we're, we're very closely linked with Phil Monday he's on board as an advisor to the team and helping us out quite a bit so it's more than just a car he's supplying he's, he's been in and been in the workshop with Brendan and I have been calling him and harassing him uh, a lot the last few weeks trying you know leveraging he's you know, the last three years he's been through the journey that we're just commencing on. So I think there's not no one in pit lane who knows what we're about to go through better than Phil at the moment. So we've been leveraging off him a fair bit and he still does a lot of the, the panel work and composites for the Ford team. So he's helping us out with that stuff a lot as well.
2: Uh, you, you mentioned Tickford, Tim. I, I'm interested to to know the process of going with him. i, I I would imagine when you, you sat down with Timmy Edwards there and he would have said, we appreciate you have a choice in supercar teams. Thank you for, for with us and buying our gear. Was it just a case of the, the fact that the 23 red cars were there and available and you can grab them and it was a turnkey thing, or did you actually go broader? Did you have a chat to Roland or even Brad about getting machinery out of, out of other gears, running a hold. And perhaps what, what was the process to, to get to this point where you've got a Mustang and in particular, those uh, Phil Monday ones?
3: Yeah, funnily enough when uh, you want to spend money with a race team, team owners are pretty good to take your phone calls. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there was no no issues with uh ringing Tim Edwards and uh, and getting some support from those guys mm. when you want to spend money with him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess you know with all the changes for Gen 3 coming in, um, we'll probably lean towards hanging off till Gen 3 regulations came through to to do this, yep. uh, especially with all the COVID stuff earlier this year. Um, so it was probably still a year away from, from coming to fruition. But I guess what happened with Milwaukee and Phil basically opened an opportunity there. He had a whole heap of equipment and cars just sitting there not being utilized. Um, we've known Phil for well, a long time, but we kind of got to know Phil very well through my days at LDM. Mm. Um, kept in contact quite a lot since then. So okay. when the whole Milwaukee thing happened in 23 Red, uh, changed. Um, we we kind of spoke to Phil a little bit about that and some of his thoughts longer term. and What he wanted to do with all his equipment and his cars. And we kind of put forward a suggestion of what we how we saw uh, this working. How he could still be involved. And um, you know he was quite excited by the idea. And and it kind of that's that's how it eventuated. And um, so yeah, like I guess uh, there are other options there, which I wouldn't say we ignored them, but the only way to make this possible for for next year was going was with the support of phil monday and with that came the a tickford mustang
0: as a businessman yourself and your dad as well when you take this opportunity to start up a racing team from the start to you even though you've been involved in supercars for such a long time do you still have to do your due diligence on the product itself to find out whether it's a viable thing for you to do from scratch
3: uh yeah yeah i guess guess you do so we um you know we did a fair bit of i guess research on developments and of, of development of a budget um so we, we did quite a bit of work on that and how much it would cost to run it um we're on track so far i'm sure well, hopefully our cfo is not listening but i'm sure we'll probably blow that out of the water as most of <laughs> teams do but uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're we're kind of trying to be a bit smarter the way we do it. But, yeah, we did quite a bit of due diligence. Um, We spoke to quite a few people in the industry to get their thoughts on how to do it. And like I said, you know, Phil Monday is a great resource for us because he's three years ago he went off on the quest and, you know, obviously bought into LDM then ended up taking over the whole thing and starting his own team and he's building his own – he basically November – I think it was 2016 or 2017, he built his own workshop and started from complete scratch, just like we're doing. So he's been through the whole process in the last three years. So he's kind of given us a lot of advice of the do's and don'ts. And um, there's a lot of don'ts. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think having that guidance and support's really been beneficial.
0: And that due diligence, as you mentioned, covers uh, what to do. Does it also cover should we do? Did you look into that side of the business as well? Uh,
3: yeah, 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 we did. But um, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of question marks about the uh, at the time there's a lot of question marks about the TV deal um Gen three, which there's still a lot of question marks about. But um, you know, for us, we're an automotive parts business. Our our, our we're a trade business, so our customer are mechanics, which have a huge which have a huge connection with motor racing. So for our business. Um, being involved in supercar or motor racing in general, but particularly supercars as the top level of motorsport in Australia, uh, really um, has a great connection with our staff and customers. So it's always been a very important or key part of our marketing program um, that we've been able to leverage off and um, quite, quite well, I think. Um, so I guess there's probably an element of the family really wanted to do it, but there's also a lot of um, there's a fairly, a very strong business case supporting the, the reasons for doing it and um, the support, the, the business B2B options that we've done through our customer network and the the staff engagement that it produces. Um, it really made it uh, worthwhile. And we're already seeing that just the last kind of four or six weeks since we started this, the input we've had from our staff and the excitement around the offices of the supercar coming in. It's, it's uh, amazing at five o'clock, no, no one wants to go home anymore at our head office. They all <laughs> want to come over and help the race team, which is Fantastic. Great. great great to see. And, um, you yeah, know, we're still, yeah, all, all our staff are really engaged in it and want to be part of it and help out the race team and getting to know it. And, and on the, the other side, um, you know, the guys that come to us from work, Brendan, and a lot of the guys that come to us from race teams are really enjoying being part of a bigger business and having a lot more resources and, being part, not being just a race team, but being part of a much bigger company that they can kind of mm. engage with and get support from.
2: I love what you said, mate, about the family aspect and, and some of our listeners, we've, we've got a great audience overseas in the UK and, and in Europe via Radio Show Limited Network. Um, the, the Blanchard family has been around the sport for a very, very long time. It, it, it probably doesn't quite have the... Uh, it, you're not a Jim Richards, for example, but your, your old man in particular... Um, and your whole family's got a great, great record. So this is a such a cool opportunity, I suppose, to to remind people how long the Blanchards have been in this game and and your own family's contribution, a very proud contribution to the sport. I would have thought.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's family. The Blanchard family's been involved in the automotive industry for over hundred years. Um, my great grandfather had a yeah. Penny shop down in preston in, in melbourne here um and then obviously my grandfather's it was worked in the automotive trade his whole life started as a mechanic 14 and then you know started cool drive 40 years ago and then you know and he did a lot of car rallying in his younger days and obviously my dad and myself have been heavily involved in motor racing so um yeah we've kind of it's always a bit of a joke I guess around cool drive is that cool drive exists so the Blanchard can go motor race <laughs> well, that's quite true or or politically correct but uh I'll, I'll run with it yeah uh, but yeah it's it's a big part of our business it's a big part of our family and our, our and um and now our business and it's something we're quite proud of we've had involvement in motorsport at all sorts of levels um over a long period of time we've helped a a number of people through Formula Ford have been heavily involved in Formal Ford. We've got the um, Victorian Historic Racing Register head office or their club rooms based at our head office. Yep. So tomorrow we've got 30 or 40 people from the Victorian Historic Racing Register coming for, for their Christmas lunch at our head office and have a look right. around the race shop. Um, and there's some quite well-known people like Ian Tate that are involved yeah. in, in that that racing club that have had a long history in motorsports. So the association with our family and motor racing is, it's not just a, something that's come about in the last five years. It's been a lifelong thing from multiple generations. And
2: please, please tell me if you've started your own race team, please tell me you're going to co-drive at practice <laughs> next year. You're not going to take this opportunity and put the headsets on. Surely you're going to keep, keep going around as a co-driver.
3: Yeah, that, that's definitely my plan. That's what I, I want to do. And um you know, that's, um, but in saying that I, I need to make sure i still do some racing myself and make sure i'm competitive we're, we're hoping to put slady in a really good position next year and um i know we are all work everyone involved in this program is working extremely hard at the moment and i'd hate to go in underprepared myself into bathurst so mm. if slady's going really well and um yeah if, as long as i've done a bit of driving myself then then yeah i'll be driving driving with slady but I don't want to do anything that's going to be at the detriment of Slady or the, or the, the team in general. So, uh, it very much sounds to me like it's a team for the people, Tim. Uh, while it's
0: a, so. a team that the family set up, but it seems like there's so much interest from outside through the through the business, through other things, that there's going to be a lot of support for you from day one, which is fantastic.
3: Yeah, I hope so. We're, you know, I think uh, we're trying to put a bit of a unique spin on it. And, um, we've been very picky in the staff we bring on board and we're just really trying to get a, a team that works well together and um, takes all our learnings from being involved in motorsport for a long period of time and, and put that into practice and, and not only from being involved in motor racing, but, you know, running a, a business for a long period of time. There's a lot of, a lot of things that I think we've learned from the, the core cool drive business that not a lot of race teams put into practice in, in their teams, which could be beneficial. So we're learning both ways and, we want to have a very inclusive um, culture. That's, that's what cool drives about. Like we have our staff have a lot of longevity that we have very, very low staff turnover in the core cool drive business. We want to, and that's because I think a lot of people enjoy working at cool drive. Well, that's what they tell me anyway. <laughs> Maybe we don't work them hard enough, but yeah. you know, <laughs> we, we have very low staff turnover. Um, and, you know, it's something we, we want to encourage, you know, we want that culture flow over into the race team as well and, and uh, have everyone feel that they're part of the journey with us. And it's not just the Blanchard's going racing, but everyone involved feels like they're part of the, the project and the team in some way, shape or form.
2: Last one from me, mate. Um, let's say we're talking 12 months from now. Um, we've gone through a year where we haven't had to dodge borders and <laughs> deal with all the COVID stuff that we've had to, had to bounce around this year. We're debriefing twelve months from now. What what's a good result? What's what's the outcome that you would say? Yep, I'm really happy with our first year as a as a
3: standalone team in supercars. Um, there's probably a little bit of a controversial one in, in within the team at the moment. But uh, um, for me, and this is what I've kind of how I'm explaining it to the guys, and they're just can, they're kind of coming on board with it now. Is I'm not so much focused on a specific result. What I'm looking for in year one is building that foundation to be a successful team long-term. And and by that, I mean is whatever the result is the result, but it's how we achieve the result and the process we follow to achieve it. Um, So, you know, anyone, I I feel like anyone in supercars can, the teams are good enough and the people are good enough in most supercar teams that they can go out and get a podium on their day if all the stars align. Mm. But what most, what only the top teams can do is, do that week in week out and that's because they have got a proper process that they follow and they can repeat those good results so for me what i'd like to see this year is uh, us getting results that we can repeat week in week out whatever those results i'm comfortable with because if they're not not great then we just need to improve the process but we need to make sure that we've got a process that's repeatable by the end of the year and um hopefully that leads to good results
2: So almost in a way, like, finish 10th in every race in the year is better than getting one podium and finishing 20th in the other races. exactly,
3: exactly. Like, you know, I think, like I said, I feel like anyone on their day with the stars align can get a podium, but what a lot of them can't do is get top 10s day in, day out. And for me, I'd like to be, if we finish on the podium, my question to the team will be, all right, can we do it? what did we do to get the podium today? Can we do that again tomorrow? And if the answer's not yes and they can't explain to me how we're going to get the podium, repeat the process and repeat the result the next day, then mm. that's not a good result for me. But you won't hand the podium back, obviously. No, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> no, take but, it. You know,
2: I take it. <laughs> you
3: take every result you can get in this game, but uh, you know, I think that the top teams, you, you see teams like Triple Eight and, and Penske, they can do it week in, week out, and that's because they've got a very structured and pro, uh, process in place that they can do week in, week out. And that's that's what sets them apart from the rest of the teams. Yeah, it certainly does. Hey, Tim, sounds like you've got
0: it all nutted out, mate. Congratulations to you and everyone. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations to you and everyone for uh, for taking the, the jump at the deep end. And uh, we really do look forward to that one day when we do have a chat to Tim Slade on getting that first podium for the team, mate. Uh, well done. And uh, we'll catch up again soon, I'm sure.
3: Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, thanks for
0: having me on, Tim Blanchard, joining us here on the. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Crazy sticks around to finish off the show with me we've given the other two boys a, an early christmas mark quality and it's just you <laughs> and me to say goodbye
2: yeah like at shebex um isn't timmy blanchard a good dude you, you and i have both Ripper known look. him for some time um yeah. from a from a media capacity you, you've you've covered his, his journey longer than i have but uh, yeah well
0: 16 16 years now i've been yeah. interviewing tim since he was driving over in the uk and uh mm. yeah always got on really well with him and as i said at the end uh uh, you know, I've just been a big supporter of his, really have.
2: Yeah, I, I, he's a ripper dude, and it's a great racing family, and and we tried to touch on that in our in our chat with him. Um, yeah, I remember him in Formula Ford, and man, he was good in a Formula Ford car, super, and, and had a real crack at the UK thing. Ultimately, the funding didn't happen, but yeah, um, had a real shake at it, and, and was good in Super Two as well. Was it was a contender regularly, and that for whatever reason, the stars just didn't align for him in supercar land. I, I don't know what it was, but, but, um, but crazy,
0: we see it so many times and yeah. it's not just in supercars, but in others where guys who, you know, can drive and you see them drive so well leading up to the top category, but they just, whether they fall into a team that just hasn't got the best gear or yeah. maybe a little bit understaffed. And you, you know, as well as I do that, you've got to have everything going for you to have oh, a competitive outfit.
2: Yeah, and it's not I'm not having a crack at Tim for that. No, 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 he's had a, a very, very decent career. Um, and you know, next year jumps in alongside Tim Slade at Mount Panorama in a Tickford car, essentially a Tickford car. We saw how good they were this year. So yeah. um, there's no reason to say he couldn't couldn't get a very big result at Mount Panorama next year. So no, it's it's a terrific story and, and it it really does um I I think there was some concern in in supercars world about where teams might come from um and certainly we've seen a reduction in the grid for various reasons that there's been teams expanding four car teams it's hard to get on the grid it's hard to stay there and we saw that with phil monday this year but it's nice to know that there are businesses like or families like the blanchards with businesses like cool drive that not only have the financial backing to make it work and you've got to remember that that they've fully funded a supercar now for what six or seven years as cool as a cool drive supercar whether tim's been driving or whether it's it's been macaulay jones in the last couple of years um so they've got the ability commercially to fund the race team but they've got the desire to do it yeah so you can be the richest person in the world but if you don't really care about having a crack at running supercars properly and we've seen this before um there's no point in doing it so i love the fact that they're there and, and what it does, Shebex, is it's a platform for the future. And, and who knows, in five years, they may be in a position commercially where they go, do you know what? We're going to add a second car. Mm. Car of the future or Gen 3, sorry, is going to be cheaper to run, we hope. If they nail all of that, they could spend three years down the road what they're spending now to run two cars. So they could expand. And, and this is how race teams are born. So, you know, in a couple of years' time, we could see a two-car um, Tim Blanchard racing squad um, at, at the pointy end of supercars doing their own thing. They could get a manufacturer. Who knows? So it, it's just exciting to see another outfit having a go. And and I really applaud the fact that they're not just a satellite Tickford. I yes. love the fact they're doing their own thing. I love the fact they've got their own people. They've got Brendan Hogan on board. Yes, they're getting cars from Tickford. That's a sensible thing to do, but um I love the fact they're having a proper crack at being their own independent race team, which is terrific.
0: It, it, it actually makes the whole Cali racing thing even more impressive, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Mm. And we know, and we, we know that they've done it before. They've had the, you know, they've had the, uh, the Nissans in the past and then uh, made mm. their way into the Mustangs of course, but to be able to, to build a brand new Mustang basically from scratch yeah. and have it be competitive in its first year, Yeah. An amazing effort.
2: Yeah, 100%. It's hard to be an independent. Kelly's are slightly different because they are doing everything in-house. So, you know, the Blanchards have done a very sensible thing for a team in their position to go and buy a car that's good to go. So a Rocket that was on the podium uh, at the Adelaide 500 this year in the hands of Will Davison. That's their car. Um, That's the sensible way to do it, especially with a massive regulation change coming up. The, the Kellys are slightly different in that they had already tooled up to be a fully in-house, completely independent team. So they're more like a 888 or a Tickford where they do everything in-house. They do their engines, they yes. do the chassis, everything. The Blanchards aren't there yet, but that's not to say they couldn't be down the road. And, and that's the exciting thing about it. Yeah. So And it, I, and I wasn't
0: comparing the two. I was just no, saying how impressive no. the Kelly yeah, situation it, adds, is.
2: it adds context for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and in a way, you, you would expect without wanting to put the pressure on, you would expect it in a way to be a little bit more straightforward for the Blanchards. I was going to say easy, but that's the wrong word because supercars ain't easy. Um, because they don't have to, they're not going to have an engine shop, they're not going to have a fa- full fabrication shop to do all that stuff. They can focus on being a car racing team, which is great in the knowledge they've got machinery to do the job no full credit to them it's a great story it's a great addition to the grid shebex um i really really like it it, it adds some more storylines i think to where the, the silly season lands and who ends up where and what Tickford do with their fourth car we, we all know the rumors that it, it could be a castrol back car with tom randall driving and rick kelly in the enduros that's certainly a possibility um nice. we all fully expect David Reynolds to end up in a Kelly racing car. But at the same time, um, I I love that this is locked in. It's locked in in December. They can go through Christmas knowing what they've got planned and and they're locked away. So Lee Holdsworth. Yeah. Well, I mean that, that could be the big story is, is lethal missing out on a drive. And if he does mate, we need to get him on a long-term contract for on the grid and sign him up as a member of the team, because um, it'd be tragic if he's not on the grid next year after the season he had, in the truck assist car at, at Tickford yeah. Racing, you know, podium finisher, contender, week in, week out, it'd be criminal if he doesn't end up on the grid. Uh, unfortunately, it's one of those situations where there might just not be a, enough licenses and enough sponsorship to, to get everyone we want on the field.
0: Well, we need to make sure that he's on the grid, whether it either be in a race car or, or behind a the microphone. Podcast.
2: Yeah, correct. Yeah. But I, I, Lethal's a terrific dude. He's a very good speaker. Um, i reckon if if he's not on the field we'll float it i reckon we need to get him on a bit of a bit of a deal Shebex. we'll we'll conjure up some money and get him get him locked away uh cuz he'd be a terrific addition to um to the program
0: yes he
2: certainly would be
0: uh mate speaking of uh terrific additions a, a terrific addition to your year was a <laughs> yes. weekend at sandown
2: yes yeah um you're right it was oh, it was it was Bloody lovely, Shebex, to to go back and catch up with the Porsche family. Um at the, the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Festival at Sandown Motor Raceway down there in sunny Springvale. I'm actually quite sunburnt, Shebex. You had some you lovely, go. lovely Melbourne weather on the weekend, which was excellent. No, great weekend. Um, we we combined the fields for Carrera Cup and Sprint Challenge. We had 18 cars uh, across the four classes, pro and pro. am in each. Um, we put on some really, really good motor racing. Um and, and it's just shaping up very, very well. We, we filmed some content that, that's coming out in the next couple of days that's very exciting. Um, we had a Porsche speed comparison between Porsche Taycan, the electric uh, EV that Porsche's launched, which is an extraordinary thing. Yeah. Uh, Luke Gilden was driving that against Chris Pither in a gt 2 RS, a GD3 RS, I should say, road car, and Tony Delberto driving a cup car. And we did a, a Formula One Grand Prix style speed comparison with the three of them. Um, turns out at Sandown, the handicap's not very big because <laughs> it's a short lap yes. in those cars. So it's only about three seconds handicap between the three cars, which uh, shows you how impressive the Taycan is. Um, and I won't spoil any of the content. Jump over to Porsche Motorsport Australia and the social channels they'll drop this week. Might even be out by the time you hear this podcast. Um, but uh, even a full-blown Carrera Cup car on a standing start cannot beat the Taycan to 100k yeah, an hour. It is. Oh, mate, that thing launches so hard. Yeah. Um, 500 kilowatts, 700 odd horsepower and four-wheel drive EV. Um, really impressive. But it was a great weekend, Chebecs. Full credit to, to Porsche and, and the Porsche team for putting that together. I think they've managed what they were and, and indeed, more pertinently, what they weren't able to do this year due to the calendars really well. It's a good turnout of competitors. Great to get everyone back on track and, uh, and go motor racing.
0: And Krause, you caught up with the uh, the final uh, podium uh, from the weekend. Let's have a listen to your chat with the boys now. Gravy, congrats, mate! Pro Am winner. Great weekend
2: at Sandown. Yeah, it was really good. It, it's a good hit out. Forty five minutes is a pretty good hit out. Uh, the, the boys were chasing and chasing, so that was good. It kept me pretty occupied because they were all over me. A um, bit bit more legs down the straight, so it was quite good. So it was a really good hit out. It's good to be back. Uh, great event by Porsche, and it really caps a good year. You know, well, really caps a tough year off. Perfect. One take one. Take. You're in. Well Harry, turns out qualifying did the job for you, the bonus point got you over the line, but what a cracking final race.
3: Yeah, what an awesome weekend. Uh, I think all three of us on the podium had equal points at the end, It said I had obviously that pole point. So yeah, super glad with the weekend. Uh, can't thank the MacRae team enough for pro- providing me with an awesome car. And can't thank Porsche enough as well for providing this fun weekend for us all to come back racing. So looking forward to 2021. Our preparation's in full swing, so looking forward to getting the Munster. Perfect. On. Yeah, when you are ready? Ryan, how good's that sprint challenge? It was tight at the end there though. Oh, it was just awesome to get back um, on the track and race. It's just a, you know, it's a pleasure always. Um, These events always run so well, so it was good to do do one of them for the year. Um, For us, and just a big thanks to everyone at Porsche, and also obviously everyone that supported me to be able to get here. Um, Yeah, just awesome, mate, to be back on the track
2: super well done. Andrew congratulations what a great weekend well done. Thanks Richard uh, thoroughly enjoyed it um, it's a nice way to end the year isn't it you know to actually get a, a proper race meeting in uh, very competitive field of cars and great weather and uh, had a great time. You must be looking forward to next year after this start. I am it was always a question of you know how how will we fare moving up to, from class B and into a program car so uh, I know not everyone's here but it's a nice way to start it's a nice confidence boost. Congratulations!
0: Well, it's it's some fun. excited uh, young lads in
2: Richard? Yeah, young and old. The the Pro-Am winners too, um, with full respect to Stephen Grove, but um, (laughs) not that old. Um, Yeah, very cool. The the Carrera Cup guys at the pointy end were extraordinary. We had three races, Shebex, and three different winners in the three races. But uh, the three guys, Aaron Love, Michael Armand, and Harry Jones, each had a first, a second, and a third in the three races. Um, So after the final race, they were tied on points, all three of them. Wow. the decider was that Harry Jones scored pole position. So he got one bonus point for pole to win the weekend. Um, Really impressive. They were under the existing Carrera Cup lap record at Sandown. And all three of those guys will be on the grid next year, as will Nick McBride, who was there as well, in the Porsche Centre Melbourne car. uh, And young Jackson Walls, who was really impressive. I think he'll be there too. The Carrera Cup field next year, Shebex, um, is going to be... Now, hand on heart, I'm obviously quite parochial because I've, I've called the series for a decade now. But um, I think it's going to be the deepest field in the sport in Australia next year. Wow! It's in terms bad. of in terms of quality of the pointy end, there there could be as many if if everything comes to fruition, there could be as many as fifteen pro class cars at the pointy end of that field. Fantastic! Um, it's going to be an awesome championship, Shabak. So no, it was great great to get over there and. Um, great to see Melbourne and just see how everyone over there is doing after what's been a pretty rotten year for you guys. Um, and uh, yeah, good. The, the relief Chevex of seeing people back at the racetrack, I think was um, perhaps the most appealing thing of that weekend.
0: No doubt, mate. Well, this is the time that we get to say goodbye to everyone for year 2020. And we thank everyone for their uh, patronage to on the grid and the race talk for this year. Record numbers for both our podcast and the website as well. It's just been an absolutely massive year for us. And as I said, we just so from the bottom of our hearts, thank everyone for taking a liking to what we do.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you, Shebex. And and the podcast in particular um, to to John and Eve uh, and Tim Gray over at um, RSL in the UK. Thank you to those guys, especially for, uh, running us uh, yep. on Thursday night, 9 p.m. UK time, um, and and allowing us to jump on board to the the midweek motorsport family and the the Radio Show Limited family and, and of course radiolemonds.com at the 24 hour um, it's great that we're able to give our Aussie um, motorsport scene that that global attention that we feel like it deserves and but but also we know that there's a lot of fans of supercar racing, of Australian motorsport in general, GT racing, TCR, S5000, the things we've covered. We know there's a great audience for that um, and a great thirst for an international audience. So, we're massive thanks to those guys for um, for getting us on board this year and, and giving us a regular time slot. We really appreciate that. And I've got to single out shebecks uh, to Chris Gillespie, Katie Nolan and all the team at at National Transport Insurance, and in particular, the the Truck Assist Link, who have just been a godsend this year, uh, massively responsible for us being able to do what we've been able to do with the racetalk.com this year and and keeping it a viable proposition at a time when there was no motor racing. So therefore, very few of us had any income. Um, Their support, moral and otherwise, has been incredible. So we really thank them from the bottom of our hearts yeah, for, uh, for backing us through this year. And, and there are so many stories, shebex of, of businesses, of people, of race teams, um, and of our motorsport family stepping up to the plate. And, and if it's one thing I think we can take away from 2020 is that this group of people that we've got in our industry here, um, both that we work with and well beyond that, is just for the most part an outstanding group of people that will go to the edges of the world or this year the edges of the continent because we weren't allowed to leave it um, to support their own. Yeah. And the way the motor racing community has banded around each other and I'm very proud about what we've done, Shebex, as a podcast and as a website to, to tell these stories and to, to try and get these issues out and expose some of the things people have done um it's just outstanding mate it really yeah. is so um it's been a remarkable year that that we won't forget for all the wrong reasons but at the same time there's been some truly unbelievably good things that have come out of this for the yeah. better there certainly um, has yeah and mate
0: I, and I'm going to leave these two blokes till last and not because I forgot to mention them earlier <laughs> but they do say you save the best till last and yep. these are two of the best blokes around in Mark Walker and Dale Rogers tirelessly putting their efforts into uh, everything that we do as well with the website and with the podcast. So to both you guys as well, thank you so much for your patronage throughout the year and uh, your help and your, uh, your laughs that we've had, especially on our uh, WhatsApp group or our messenger group. That's always been (laughs) heaps of fun on race day. Can't mention anything that we no, talk
2: about. No, it. no, we, we, the lawsuits would be extraordinary. <laughs> no, I agree, Shebex, they've been outstanding uh, all the while juggling lockdowns and home life and young kids and and everything about that. So, um, yeah, terrific contributors. And and I think the other thing, I mean, we're all doing this because we love it. We're not making millions out of this. So um, we, we do it because we're passionate about our sport, aren't we? And, yeah. and this is why we we do this show week in week out and um we have a great time so and i think we give each other grief but we're all good mates so and and that makes it all worthwhile so it um, certainly does i think we can confirm that next year beers with the race talk will be back yes um the the brief but much loved program of us telling people to meet us at a pub and we'll buy them beers Uh, it happened twice and we bought a total of about six beers so uh I'm working on a beer sponsor for next year. And if I can't get a beer sponsor, Shebex, I'm going to get a red wine sponsor. Ned Whiskey. Well, we should talk to the Ned boys because um, that was going to be another great thing that never happened, but- um, Jump on, Steve. Yes. Um, so we've got big plans. We're, we're going to have a massive year next year. We're going to be on the road again. Um, we're going to be back racing. We're going to get all the other categories up and running. Um, we'll tell you the stories and and talk to the people that make it all happen. So massively looking forward to it. Yep,
0: certainly am. Thanks for your help, buddy. Really appreciate it. Tony Shebeki and Richard Crowell signing off, folks. Thank you once again for supporting us in 2020. And here's to a massive 2021. We'll be with you in a few weeks' time to start talking about it. Till then.